As we begin our sermon, let us start with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for this time that we could gather together as a church, as your body, as your bride. We remember the birth of your Son and our Savior, our King, our Lord Jesus Christ on this day. And as we celebrate it, as we listen to your word, I pray, God, that you would continue to use us for your glory. May our hearts be open now as we hear your word. May a seed be planted that would bear fruit to 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. When you have found it, please rise for the reading of God's holy word. Hear now the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first register, registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. My friends, this is the holy and errant word of the Lord. Please be seated. Twice a year, as a church, we get to worship all together with children, our kids, our babies, and... All of us, well, our adults here. I was very excited uh, to have a front row seat today to see all the kids give their presentation. And so while we are still renovating our sanctuary, we are worshiping here for the next few weeks. And again, like Pastor Paul said before, I am very thankful that we get to come back here and worship our Lord and Savior, especially on this Christmas day. And so it is a joy for us to come together. What a wonderful time it is for us to witness the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And what a wonder it is to celebrate Christmas at a time where not just the sun is low, it's darker, you know, the days get darker, but the seasons seem darker as well, doesn't it? And yet we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, reminding ourselves that we have an eternal hope that is unfailing, never-ending, and will come again. We look forward to the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do here when we gather. We celebrate what he has done, and also we look forward to what he will do. And so as we go on to this time, this is um, a story that I think many of us have heard many times. I grew up in the church so I heard the Christmas story many, many times. 
I've been preaching for a while now, so I've preached about the Christmas story many, many times as well. But the interesting part for me, and I hope also for you today, is as many times as we hear this story, God not only reminds us of the goodness, but we can even see a deeper and more profound aspect to the story of Christ, which is what I want to share this morning with you all. Now, Jesus Christ wasn't just a myth. He wasn't just a fairy tale. Jesus Christ was a real man, and he was born as a baby. He was born on a place in time, in history, and he dwelt among us on earth. And we see this here recorded by the gospel writer Luke, where he starts to tell us that there was a decree by Caesar Augustus. Now, who is Caesar Augustus? Caesar Augustus is the Caesar or king of the Roman Empire, the empire that ruled almost all the world at the time. And he followed Julius Caesar. But now Caesar Augustus was first born um, Gaius Octavian, but he was renamed Caesar Augustus after he became heir and followed after Julius Caesar because he was Julius Caesar's favorite. He was his grandnephew and so on. But they named him Caesar Augustus. Now, if you understood what that meant, that would have maybe to the people of God at the time blown them away because what does Caesar Augustus mean? What is the name of that meaning, Sebastus? It means the supreme one. It means the sublime one. It means the majestic one. That's his name, and that was who was king. And now we see this contrast being placed here. Caesar Augustus, in all his glory, in all the power at the height of the Roman Empire, stands seated on his throne. He's named the supreme one. And there's a contrast where we go to a small town called Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, a baby was born. But this baby was no ordinary baby. This baby was not only king, but he was king of kings. He was a king above Caesar Augustus. But how was this king born? And I want to focus the last few minutes I have on this. How was, Caesar August, uh, how was Jesus Christ born? You know, when you have a baby, and there are many babies here, I was expecting more strings of babies to come out as the, as the presentation went on. But I, I believe in the next few years, perhaps we will see it. Just a string of babies just keep on coming out, blowing candle after candle maybe. But when you have a baby, you treasure that baby. You love that baby. How... Wh- how how do you treat the baby? You know how we treated our baby when she was first born, we put her in a crib. You know, you put swaddling cloths on the baby because swaddling cloths, you know, make them tight so there are no SIDS, you know. Babies can pass away unexpectedly. So even th- for thousands of years, we've had swaddling cloths. You make it tight so they can sleep. And you place them in a crib so that they can sleep comfortably. Jesus Christ, when he was born, had swaddling cloths. 
But what's the detail that the gospel writer of Luke gives us here? Was he placed in a crib? You know, if you don't have a crib, maybe some of us didn't grow as affluent as, you know, upper middle class or middle class. We, did, we weren't born and laid into a crib. Then what would you have done? Perhaps a lot of parents can relate to this. If you were on hard times, a child would sleep with the parents, right? You would have the baby and sleep with the parents. So you would sleep on the bed, you know, you just make sure that the baby's okay. You set aside a little space on the bed and you sleep with the baby. But Jesus Christ didn't have a bed. His parents didn't have a bed to sleep in either. There was no room at the inn. Where was he laid? And we see the detail that Luke gives us here. Jesus Christ, not only king, but the king of kings, He is above Caesar Augustus. He is more powerful than Caesar Augustus. His kingdom has no end. The Roman Empire ended. Our kids don't know what the Roman Empire is now. But that empire ended. But this kingdom will have no end. This king of kings, where was he laid? He was laid in a manger. And to think about that, if you love your child, you will lay the child in the most precious place possible because you want that child to be as comfortable as possible. And I have no doubt that Mary and Joseph love their child, their firstborn, Jesus, and the most comfortable place that they could have laid Jesus was in a manger. Now, what is a manger? A manger is a feeding trough. It's where you put food for animals. It's not even a bowl for humans. It's where you put food for animals. So you would imagine then what they did was they would clean out this trough and place the most precious person to have ever been born down onto the manger so that he could sleep. Now, when we start to think about that, That is mind-blowing. That is amazing. Why would the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, first of all, be born as human, as a human, but second of all, be born into such poverty? And we start to think about what Jesus Christ did when he was born. You know... When you place a baby in a crib that has bars, it's like a mini jail. I'm sure you've guys seen cribs before you've placed your baby. It's like a mini jail. There's little bars. Why? So the kid can't go out. Also, so other things can't go in, right? It's protected from inside and outside. You know, Caesar Augustus, if there was any royalty born in the royal palaces at the time, I'm sure they had cribs of their own making. But those cribs were not only inside homes, but they were inside palaces. They had guards. They restricted access. Not anybody could go there. But Jesus Christ, when he was born, he was born in a manger. And what did that do ultimately? In the very next verses, the very next verses that Luke describes to us, is that angels would appear to the shepherds and tell them that a king is born. 
And the shepherds of the field, the lowest of society, the poorest of the poor, those that have been outside the community, those that were not part of society because they were too dirty, they could have access. They were able to go see the king of kings because he was born in a manger. Now this is the access that God has granted us through Jesus Christ. All of us, from the lowest to the highest, we can see the King of Kings. His name is Jesus Christ. And this is who we worship on this day. This is who we celebrate as we celebrate the birth of Christ. He was born in a manger. He was born in poverty so that all of us could have access. He humbled himself so that we could have access to God. Now that is an incredible story to witness. Again, it's not just a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It actually happened. There's recordings and writings of it. Writing after writing in the gospel accounts, it tells us of how Jesus Christ was born. It's to show us that this physically happened. You know, it physically happened so that year after year after year, 10 years, 100 years, hundreds of years, to 1,000 years, to 2,000 years later, we still remember that Jesus Christ was born here on this earth so that we could have access to him. What a glorious king we have that we could see that Christ is king and worship him as Lord. And that's what we ought to do all our lives, isn't it? Not just this Christmas day, but all our lives we are to remember that Jesus Christ, the king of kings, came down to this earth so that we could have access. And it says in Hebrews that because of Jesus Christ, our high priest, we get to go into the holy of holies. We not only have access one time, we have access to God for all time. And he starts to show us first through this day, through Jesus Christ being born on Christmas. And for all eternity, we get to have access to our God through Jesus Christ. Let us worship him here in this place. I know we're not in our sanctuary, but wherever God would send us, whether it be in the basement, in a school, in a fellowship room, in a nice sanctuary, or even if it were to be in a place where there are feeding troughs and mangers, let us worship God wherever he sends us because God is worthy to be worshiped. He is the truly sublime, glorious and supreme one. He is king above all kings. And so I thank the Lord for what he has done for us and our church. And not only here, but let's worship him in our homes. In your homes and houses, make Jesus Lord and King by worshiping him. Worship him daily. Pray to him as a family daily. Come to him thanking him for what he has done for us, how he has brought our family together. All of our families, haven't we been so blessed? How much has God shown you love? How much has God shown you blessings? How much has he protected you so that you could be here even now in this place?
Worship him in your homes. But not only in your homes. Let's worship him in our workplaces. Wherever God would send you, in the public sphere of life, God deserves to be worshipped. He is not only king of our church and our home, he is king of all. And so let us worship him wherever he sends us, whether he gathers us here in this place, whether he scatters us to the ends of the earth, our God deserves all the glory and all the worship. And I am so privileged and I am so thankful that he calls us to be worshipers now. It's as if the angels knew as they were worshiping God. They wanted to share this joy. Christ the King is born, so why don't you go over there? Christ is there and worship him. So the shepherds went and looked and there he was in a manger just like the angels said. And they worshiped God. And so this is why we worship the Lord, that God's purpose is always fulfilled. His will is done, and we see it evident in the life, in the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we say Merry Christmas to each other, it's more than December 25th, my friends. When we say Merry Christmas, we are saying that Christ is born but Christ is king, and Christ is to be worshipped in all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, that we could come together to sing songs, to hear your word read, to hear of the story of how you, from the beginning of creation, had a plan to save us, to send us our Lord and Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Let us celebrate you and worship you with all of our minds, hearts, strength, and soul, all our days. Remind us all the time of your great faithfulness as we reflect and meditate on your son, Jesus Christ, how he lowered himself as a baby so that we could have access. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.